So it's going to be like ASMR, but in a gross way. And I'm drinking tea. Ugh. So it's going to be like... Ugh, ugh. It'll be fine. That's, mm. that's why I wanted you to do this. It's my secret fetish, is hearing you two swallow when you're breathing or whatever. <laughs> Dude, hell yeah. The spitty sounds. Mm. Speaking mm. of spitty sounds, welcome to Splatterbrains. I'm so glad that's how we're going to start this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Don't stop there, Brad. Tell them what's up. Who are we? Oh, what's up? I'm, I'm Splatterbrains. No, we're Splatterbrains. I'm Brad. I'm Alex. I, oh, shit. Sorry, guys. I'm Nikki. You are Nikki. And Karen isn't here today. She's being a friend to friends in need. So everybody say, oh, good job, Karen. Good job, Karen. My brother used to have a poster in high school uh, in his closet, like behind the door that said, a friend with weed is a friend indeed. And it was hidden so our parents couldn't see it. <laughs> I had a... This is the cheapest rebellion. When I was a little kid, I had a hidden uh, Speed Racer poster in my closet. But I mean, my parents were the ones that put it up, but they just like put it in my closet. I don't know why. Did it have like boobs on it? Was it Speed Racer no, with boobs? Just, just Speed Racer and his the Mach Five. I'm going to assume you've never seen Speed Racer if that's where your brain went. Yeah, no, <laughs> for sure. But I was also like, why was it in a closet? I don't know. Hanging dong. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I've never seen Speed Racer. <laughs> what was yes, the name Steve. of the? Because uh, the monkey was Chim Chim, and then what was the little boy that was always with the monkey? Do you remember any of this? Raul. I've seen I've seen the no. Speed Racer movie, the one where they have to race a train, but uh, that's the only Speed Racer I've seen. Yeah, I don't remember. Nikki, you brought this up by talking did about I watch your, it? Your weed poster. Yeah, I did. Who was the kid with boobs, Nikki? Uh, wasn't that Speed Racer? Oh, is this a 2008 film with nope. Emil Hirsch? By Action the, sci-fi? Yeah, the the directed by the Wachowskis, who went back in time to write the original Speed Racer. I'm only seeing one Speed Racer. Uh, oh, yes. Cartoon? Correct. Animated? Mm -hmm. Sure, sure, Does sure. Does it look Japanese? Because it's very Japanese. Um, I'm only seeing the Emil Hirsch cover, but then there was like an animation nearby in the small Google image search. It was uh, around in the 70s. So. I usually order a large Google. <laughs> <laughs> so isn't, isn't google the size of the drink you order not the drink itself i don't know why i've decided i need to dig harder into this bit Let's move on. <laughs> no actually i'm glad you did because i whenever i go to starbucks i refuse to order in their sizes and i will say like i will have a large coffee because it makes no sense to me because i think a grande which means big is a small not the tall is a small. Oh, Grande Christ. is the medium size. It's sixteen ounces, which is I even. I don't mean to brag, but I might have had a relative that was uh, assistant manager at a Starbucks for quite some time. Ooh, what? It... But why? Why is Grande a medium? Grande means big. I will say that that is probably the act of rebellion that everybody that walks into a Starbucks has in their brain, and uh, this is this is kind of like what's the deal with airline food of Starbucks jokes. I'm not going to well, say your pronouns, Cup. <laughs> Dude, but also tall implies 
big, which implies large. You've cracked the marketing is that they make everybody feel like they're ordering an adequate sized drink. Yeah. Like literally everyone was having this conversation in like the nineties and I am just still angry about it. This well, amount your, of time later. What's your later. drink of choice at Starbucks? Oh, I Not panic. Not coffee shops at Starbucks specifically. A nitro cold brew with the sweet foam. But my uh, hairdresser lady, I was like, I don't know coffee very well. Like, I don't know what an Americano is. I don't really know. I order coffee lattes. Yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah. what they all are. And she was like, okay, next time you go in, order a quad espresso oh, over boy. ice with white mocha. And I almost had a fucking panic attack i go so i walk in i'm like if the line is long i'm not going to order it because if they ask me a question about what that means or anything else i'm not going to have an answer it's four shots of espresso with candy in it that's it that's all you can i get four shots of espresso with candy thank you but then if they were like <laughs> what size i'd be like medium but like i don't know what size that would fit but i didn't have to i literally and i wrote it in my phone in a note so I walk up to the register and I said, a quad espresso with white mocha over ice. Kind of like it was like a secret password. And the barista was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Drink. You got it. Yeah. You nailed it. It's on the menu. I, I, you know, I shouldn't criticize because obviously I've, we've all been there at some point uh, with something. And <clears throat> for the longest time, I didn't realize that dirty chai was something you could order all places and not just <laughs> the Whole Foods counter that I worked at their Allegro or Allegra coffee counter, whatever it is. And so when I went somewhere else and I tried to order it, I had, I would always like specify, I'd be like, I would like a chai. Please make that with soy milk. Uh, could you put a shot of espresso in that? They're like a dirty chai. I was like, yeah, I guess I'll take that. Like not knowing that was a universal term. I've been drinking a, not coffee related at all, but dirty related. I've been drinking a dirty Shirley's whenever we go out to the bar. Is that just yeah. a Shirley temple with actual alcohol in it? <laughs> oh yeah. So Shirley it's what I call so good. The Shirley Temple for pussies. <laughs> <laughs> the other day I found out that, um, what's your mom's name? Nikki? Shirley Senior? That Shirley is awesome too. Yeah. Not just awesome because of her choice in movies, but also her choice in beverages. Shout out to Shirley Senior. So, Brad, um, actually, well, you took me seriously. Did you mean to? I don't know her mom's name. Shirley Temple? Uh, I don't know. I was talking about the person that birthed you that you told me doesn't drink alcohol. And I was oh, like, oh, she's cool. Sheila, close enough. Yeah, Sheila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was trying to compliment this Sheila. person who I've never met, but you've told many a great story about. I, yeah, I was you know really what? confused when, they, when Alex asked what your mom's name was, and you said, Shirley Senior. I feel like I am a little bit off of this planet today. I thought you asked what Shirley Temple's mom mom's name was. I don't know. But I, speaking I really of Shirley Temple Sr., a.k.a. Sheila, a.k.a. my mom, I talked to her last week and I was like, just so you know, the Splatterbrains crew, which as a reminder, mother, is the bi-weekly recording podcast I do with some friends that she still is like, she still has our sticker in her glove compartment in the car. So it's like with all of her Starbucks napkins and I'll pick it out and be like, Oh mom, the the podcast I do. She's like, yeah, it's a great spot. So if anyone needs a napkin, they'll see your podcast and ask me about it. But I was like, they like legit would love to have you on this show. 
And she's like, I think I would get so nervous. I would just freeze up and panic. I'm like, what are you nervous about? Yeah. It's like me and my dumb friends. I want to talk about her just sitting down, like to walk us through a day in the choosing something on a streaming service of any kind. That's all. Because you, you make it sound yeah. like she watches a lot. She, she watches so much. She doesn't stop and go, well, what if I want to watch something else like the rest of us in the world do? And then we have analysis paralysis and watch nothing. Sounds like mm-hmm. she just hits play and goes to town. That's great. Exactly. It's literally yeah. like there is no critical analysis. It's like, oh, Santa Jaws, love Christmas, love the water, love sharks. And we get through 10 minutes and then she'll be like, okay, fine, you can pick. And then when I get to pick, she like goes upstairs, makes popcorn because she knows it's going to be an hour where I'm going to like organize the list by critically acclaimed but then it won't be anything I would have heard of. So then I'll go down to like a hundred rows. Yeah, it's wildly different. I mean, I just talked you through exactly what she probably would have said. This the Santa Jaws analogy was painted the exact picture that I. That's the world I'd like to live in. Is I'd also like to be that person, like just be like, yeah, no, this is it. But no, I'll just not watch something and just scroll for a while. And go now, nah, go play video games. Yeah. Well, that's I've what never... makes us podcasters and her not. Got Sheila. <laughs> Shirley Senior. I've never heard the phrase analysis paralysis, and that's uh, really dope. Yeah. I, okay, I so that my... might be like a board game nerd thing, but I thought that was kind of a universal term as well, or just having too many options. That's it. Yeah, I've never heard of that. That's good. Uh, my big thing is that I make too many lists of things that I want to enjoy, and then I don't go through that list and enjoy the things I want to enjoy for the most part. Like I have, like I'm a sucker for Goodreads and being like, oh, all this book's my Goodreads, all this book, and then I don't read any of them. I mean, sometimes I do, but lately I've been reading, as we talked about last week, R.I.P. I've been reading a lot of comics, and so my book reading has been falling to the wayside. It's the same muscle you're flexing. Yeah, and with a little bit of left brain because there's pictures. Ooh, visual storytelling. I'm for it. Yeah. Speaking of last week. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, before we get into last week, do you want to just derail this whole podcast and talk about the comics we've been reading? Because I just finished House of M for the first time, and I would love to talk about it. Sure, go ahead. I'm reading comic books. I'm not doing this for real. Anyway, Brad, introduce the episode. (laughs) (laughs) No more comic speak. Um, Last week, we... uh, That was a House of M for you, Alex. Last week was the... Ah. uh, Nice. 35th anniversary of, uh, is that right? Of the original Dawn of the Dead. 1978. 34th? Yes. Although, uh, okay, quick derailment. Google says that Dawn of the Dead came out January 1st, 1978, but the Fangoria post on Instagram said on 4-20-79, it came out in New York. Yeah, good news. Theaters. Wikipedia has different dates for all four of those. So, <laughs> September 1st, 1978, it was released in Italy. Um, yeah, in, 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 March 27, 1979, it says Japan. April 7th, 1979, it says Dallas, Texas, which is one of the places it debuted, apparently. And April 13th, not April 20th, 1979, as a full U.S. release. Do I know if this is true? No. None of those are cited. So who the fuck okay. knows? Yeah. Well, it's the 30th anniversary of... Dawn of the Dead last week, and we all gathered around the virtual campfire to 
to talk about the original Dawn of the Dead, what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it, and compare it with the 2004 Zack Snyder remake of Dawn of the Dead. And probably 30 minutes into our conversation, our audio recording software dropped, and I did not notice. Is it still here? Oh, it's still here, yeah. All right, cool. Just check it. But 30 minutes into our conversation, our audio recording tool dropped, and I didn't notice for like another like 40 minutes. So most of our conversation about the original Dawn of the Dead is lost to the ether of last week. Uh, Nikki, do you want to sum it up for everybody real quick? Yeah, Nikki, what was the plot? Oh. Four-sentence sum up of the whole conversation we had about Fuck. it. Of the original or just everything? The original. We'll get to the everything later. Ooh, okay. Um, I can't do four sentences, but we talked about uh, various releases of the movie with various versions and soundtracks. Plot point one. Plot point two for our conversation. Um, zombies and critical analysis of zombies through George Romero's representation of said zombies. Plot point three. You know, that's pretty much it. I feel like yep. that's what we covered. And we were like, Did, uh, it was, I liked it, or I didn't like it. Uh, it was too long, or like it was perfect. And that's pretty much what we talked about. The Dawn of the Dead hits different these years compared to before. And uh, the only thing I want to revisit from what I said was that based on rewatching the original Dawn of the Dead, I was so excited to see the Zack Snyder 2004 Dawn of the Dead because I hadn't seen it since it was in theaters. And my opinion has changed. I liked the original. Uh, It had been probably eight years since I saw it for the first time. And I thought the slow burn of it was really good. And some of the sub themes of them kind of the survivors, the four main characters, like living like in a mall where they have access to everything they could need. And like they secured it from zombies and then kind of just like slowly becoming a little bit more apathetic about everything. I thought that was a really interesting dynamic in the apocalypse because they have everything, but they also have nothing. But some of the danger in the movie wasn't really there, like around the zombies, because there were so many scenes and maybe this is just because we're, I said this all last week, so stop me, guys, if you think it's in, not interesting. But maybe we're spoiled by modern before. I was like, stop now. <laughs> maybe we're spoiled by modern movies, but I feel like this movie could have benefited from like a fight choreographer because so many shots of like people interacting with zombie extras was like, all right, you're gonna run this way, and a zombie's gonna get you, and you gotta get away. Action! And then it was just like a guy just like bobbing and weaving like Larry Bird, and then like pushing the zombie away slightly. Um, Favorite is to just kind of like whack him in the face and then they throw their arms up or just push yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was great. It definitely set the tone for a lot of zombie movies to come, especially about like the main villain or the main villain, the main threat being other people. Like we see that in The Walking Dead all the time. But oddly enough, the 2004 didn't really follow that theme. Oh, no, no, it did not. I think my... I'm leaving leaving all this in. Good. Because actually Brad and I were speaking together in that moment. Uh, I'll be dubby. It's like I'll be dubby, but it's just to be, just no vowels. 
Yeah, it's like a dialect off of Abu Dhabi called Ubi Dubi. <laughs> the original name for Abu Dhabi, based on and hearing the you Ubi, say that once. Yeah, and Ubi our Dubi favorite Dubi. band, the Ubi Dubi Brothers. Have you guys ever listened to them? Smoking uh, no, Ubi's with my brothers. Listen to the music. Yeah, um, my only like the summation of my thoughts of the original was basically I respect its place in the zeitgeist of the zombie genre. But I just, it felt so much like an action movie to me with no story. And the music really threw me off the mix of whatever release version I watched of some goblin music, some of the kind of studio music that I used this term last week, but it just sounded hunky dory and it just really fit weird. So the culmination of those two things did not make it something that I will rewatch in the future. What do you call the Hannibal, the Hannibal, Hannibal Holocaust, the cannibal Holocaust themes tone? Like, how would you describe uh, that? Oh, my God. OK, you know what? Yeah, that's a great question, because, you know, I live and die for that song. Correct. That gives me like um, the cannibal Holocaust theme song gives me like 70s commune vibes. Like if I were in a field like picking flowers in a commune in the 70s that's the song i would be listening to and for whatever reason i love it and granted does that song fit with cannibal holocaust absolutely not but do i love the song yes all right what would you call it hunky dory as well or similar to that of the music in that in dawn of the dead no because to me cannibal holocaust has this like slower soothing like weed smoking vibe to it and the um dawn of the dead music gives me more i'm on a carnival ride with a toddler vibes like very like bells and whistles and like dun, 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 a little more upbeat than what i would prefer for a zombie movie in general like what? one of them, I feel like I'm at Six Flags, and one of them, I feel like I'm on an earthy commune. Request out to the internet if anybody on the internet ever hears this, just give me a cut of Dawn of the Dead that's completely replaced with the uh, the cantina music from Star Wars because that's what it sounded like you were singing. But the whole time, I want that loop to be endless. It is a joke that will just it'll be funny at first, and then it'll stop being funny for a while. And then after a while, it'll get absurd and be funny again. And that would just be the entire uh, arc of the movie for me, would just be that in the background. I feel like I would have a way different experience with the movie in a good way, if that were the case. Can I derail us really hard with a story about music loops? Please. Okay, so there is a gas station I used to live down the street from in Milwaukee. And uh, they were kind of known for being silly, like... Uh, they'd always have a sandwich board that said something snarky on the outside of it. So like, for example, for a couple of weeks, it just said our gas is gluten free, like that kind of shit. And like, it's, it's just goofy. Like they had signs all over the place inside um, for specials and things that were always funny. There used to be a blues brother statue in there that eventually got taken out. I walked in there one day and I had never heard this before. I was unfamiliar with the meme, but are you both familiar with the uh, Trollolo guy? The like yes. coming home again Russian singer, like da, 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 da. yeah, that guy. So I had never heard this before. And I walk into this gas station and that's playing. I was like, what the hell is this? And so I got snacks, whatever I was getting, and I walked up to the counter 
And I asked the guy behind the counter, and I was like, what, what is playing right now? Because it was playing, I was in there for five, six minutes, and it was playing the whole time. And he explained it to me and told me about the meme and everything. And he told me that his boss had gone into the office, turned on the 10-hour loop for his entire shift, and locked the door. So that was the only thing that was going to be playing in that, for that guy's shift. And he said, that, and then he taught me about the humorous arc. He said, it's pretty funny at first. And then I'll just be standing there, and I quote, he said, then I'll be like, man, this sucks goats. And then it'll be really funny again. And that that is what introduced me to that whole bit. And I just think about uh, uh, repetition absurdity and like that and humor. And I learned everything I know about it from that guy stuck in a gas station for at least an eight-hour shift listening to nothing but la 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 <laughs> That's just awesome. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, Request. King. Somebody replace all of the Dawn of the Dead music. <laughs> Alright, anyway. Speaking of Milwaukee. Hey. 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 The Bucks. Oh. Oh, the other thing. That's my other podcast, the <laughs> Splatter Bucks. Uh, we're talking about the zombie movie, Dawn of the Dead. Splatter Bucks is just a podcast about roadkill. Or it's about, uh, it's about horror and the quadruple espresso with candy in it that you ordered earlier. So this one's uh, which wasn't as sweet as I thought it was going to be. It was very espresso-y. Do you not like coffee-flavored things? No, I do. I honestly, I, like, I like, yeah, I like both. I just honestly, I want that little buzz, that little caffeine kick. And, you know, if there's a little sweet topper, that's great. If I got to just down a, a quad espresso, if you will, uh... I'll do it. Only they would candy coat Adderall. Then you'd be living the life. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of Adderall, <laughs> Brad, tell us about. Uh, wait, right? Was this a good transition to 2004 Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, With Adderall. Honestly, it's pretty good. Yeah. Sweet. Dawn of the Dead 2004, directed by Zack Snyder, who you may know as the recipient of the uh, the greatest moment in cinema history where the the flash accessed the speed force in justice league that was you know voted at the oscars greatest moment of cinema history so didn't that we all know him happen? for that oh yeah 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 i heard about that recently i did not watch it while it happened that's very funny yeah it is he directed this movie it's not exactly a plot for plot remake which is nice uh but in broad strokes the plot is the same a small group of survivors take shelter in a local mall at the start of a zombie outbreak, before fleeing to what they feel will be something more permanent. Um, the movie opens with like the regular world, and there's not really that much indication of what's going to happen. Uh, so if you were just like in the year 2005, scrolling through cable, and just like happened to land on this movie, you'd be very surprised to see what goes on in the next 10 minutes. Uh, if you had just read the title of the movie, you would not be surprised. Yeah, well, not everybody had Comcast that showed the title of the movie. Like, if you just like flip to like channel thirty-seven on your. Sure, sure. Um, what did you guys think of the movie, Alex? I know you said you had a lot of thoughts, Nikki. I'm sure you have thoughts. I got thoughts. I want to ask pose a question to both of you. But have you did you see this before? Was this your no. first viewing or not? No, this Either I I. Don't think I'd ever watched it in full. I think I'd maybe caught pieces in the past. 
But I saw this when I was 16, which means that I thought it was fucking sick. Uh, and uh, it feels like something a 16-year-old would think was fucking sick. Uh, and I don't think that it was a bad movie at all. I just think there's a lot of goof in this that I, I would love to talk about. And also, a lot of the things Zack Snyder became known for are all present in this movie. Specifically, and it's going to be the first point everyone brings up, is the saturation on the movie. It looked like a sickly green the entire time that I watched this movie, which is very, very hard to deal with. And then we uh, we mentioned this in the Lost to Time episode. Somebody else said that their screen looked a little different, but it was uh, it reminded me of music videos in the early 2000s. Like That's what the tone of sort of the color correction made it feel like. Go on, Nick. No, no, Brad, say uh, it. Do uh, it. Uh, uh, the, the, <laughs> the hospital in the beginning was entirely green, uh, which was very jarring. I don't think I would want to go to that hospital, but it looked mm-hmm. like, speaking of music videos, it looked like the uh, American Idiot vi- video where they're all standing in front of the American that is flag. and exactly what the whole thing looks like, yeah. Yeah, it looks like Zack Snyder watched that video and said, I'm going to make a zombie movie about this music video. Same year. Could be. You never know. I just, uh, so I had sent you guys a picture of the character CJ during the movie because his five o'clock shadow was just completely saturated green in a particular scene. That is the only scene where it like felt goofy to me. The rest of it was very early 2000s nostalgia. It gave me major Black Christmas vibes from that 2004 remake we talked about. And it almost, I almost thought it made it better because you could really situate the movie in a particular time period. Because, Alex, like you said, like if you were 16 in the theater watching that movie, you'd be like, dude, this movie's fucking sick. It's so green. And like green is like gooey and green is like zombies. So I, I love the saturation because it's, it is kind of goofy, but it wasn't, it was only a couple scenes like where a five o'clock shadow just was completely green, where it was a little, uh, took me out of it. But other than that, I was like, this is that gritty early 2000s vibe I came here for. (laughs) This sort of the kickoff of the, the violence in the movie and like the sort of opening scene, uh, in the, the neighborhood, which uh, I made this, I'm going to, I'm going to stop saying I made this point last time because we all did, uh, but uh, Milwaukee does not look like Milwaukee at all, not not even close. And they they do an okay job by uh, referencing a couple of places in Milwaukee in this movie, as well as uh, trying to set the tone with the husband in the beginning scene is drinking old Milwaukee beer, which would not be a thing people in Milwaukee are drinking. They would be drinking Pabst or Miller, um, but that doesn't matter. It was fun. Like the violence is sort of the thing that drew me to it. Obviously, like I, I didn't really care about the content of a movie because I was excited about gore still when I was sixteen. I'm still excited about it, but also the '70s one has some really good effects. Like when it wants to, obviously everyone's painted blue the whole movie. That's something that's been talked about. Even Tom Savini has come out to be like, didn't think it would look like that on film, but that's what the movie is now. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't even know where where to start with like. The plot on this because it's more seems to happen in this than the other one but i learned less yeah and that's one of the things i liked about this movie right off the bat that i didn't like about the original is there is 
some semblance of character establishment and how we got here. And in the original, it was just, here we are, we're in the thick of the action, and you kind of have to take context clues to go backwards. But again, I think, Brad, what you had mentioned earlier, we are kind of spoiled as modern movie audiences of just how we expect a movie to be set up and to play out. So when I have to do any sort of critical thinking about the plot, I'm like, oh, I just like I want it to be spoon fed to me because I'm a big audience baby. And it was in this one. It was just kind of like, I am a woman who is a nurse and I'm going to wake up in the dawn and there will be deadness. Granted, like I didn't care about any of the characters any more than I did from the original. So it's not like we established a plot to establish my personal relationship as an audience member with a character, but I still liked that little bit of slow buildup. And we also talked before, which was kind of interesting about how another way that movies would do something like this is like a montage footage of like a bunch of newsreels during the opening credits during like a Rob Zombie song to tell you what's going on when we finish the credits. It's a Zack Snyder thing too. It, like in Watchmen, he tells the entire backstory of the like first couple issues to just the times they are changing. And like, that's just, I don't, did he do anything like that in this? I don't even remember. The opening. Yeah. One of the things that I really liked about the original is that in the beginning you had to kind of be an active participant in the movie to kind of understand what was going on because they opened in the really hectic, crazy newsroom and everybody's just screaming about everything. And you kind of glean some things that are happening here and there about like shoot him in the head and uh, like how, about how people are abandoning their posts. Like there's a shot in the original where the newsroom manager is trying to get a police officer to arrest some people and the police officer just shrugs and leaves. Like there's a lot of in that opening about people kind of just like, leaving and fleeing society and kind of trying to go somewhere else to be safe during whatever is going on. And I was like, Oh, I really like this because I feel I actually wrote a note when I was watching it before watching the Zack Snyder one. I said, I feel like in a modern movies, they would do a news montage and then cut to the Zack Snyder version and the opening after a little, after like the main character, she wakes up in the morning, like Mickey said, and like she says, Oh God, there's zombies everywhere. There's a whole like five minute long, news montage about zombies and the government collapsing and army guys shooting people and it's set to I think it's set to hurt by Johnny Cash no 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 the man comes around I forget what it's that yeah, yeah, called, yeah. But... it is it's called when the man comes yeah. around yeah yeah but yeah uh the news montage I don't know it is what it is I I think it's kind of lazy but I'm also not a filmmaker so Gets us to the point. It's fine. It's it's his signature. It's seemingly. Although I'm trying to think of other Zack Snyder movies I've seen, and the only one I remember having seen is Sucker Punch, which I am embarrassed to have admitted <laughs> I've seen. Uh, and I saw it in theaters also, and have not rewatched. And I will not rewatch it. I don't. I will not suggest it for the show either. I think I'm good. I saw it in theaters to my roommate slash best friend Keith in college. He was like, "Oh man, this movie's gonna be fucking awesome!" And we saw it in theaters, and we all left like. Okay, that was a movie. Oh, yeah, that was a, a lot of fantasy. And every time they go into a flashback, you have to think about abuse and society, and it's really unpleasant. But there's robot fighting mm. in, in this bordello asylum. <laughs> Nick, have you seen Sucker Punch? 
I have not. You'd love it. You're going to love it. Look at the poster for it, and you'll be like, this is totally a me movie. Totally. In fact, why don't I pull this? What year are we looking at? 2011, 2011. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Right off the bat. Oh, but it has Emily Browning, and I love her. I really Is that the uh, ridiculously infantilized uh, Uh, main character with the blonde pigtails? Yes, and she was also the little girl in another early 2000s favorite of mine, Ghost Ship. Was she really? Yeah, she like, was in like in the beginning, the like when yeah, everybody gets sliced in half. Yes, the only scene that's worth watching. Yeah, okay, great. Yes, yes this movie that... came out on my nineteenth birthday. Just saying, sucker, sucker punch. punch. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Do you feel nineteen again? Was nineteen a good year for you, Brad? No, it was no. nineteen. I peaked. That was it. <laughs> no, it's <was> pretty good. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Really sucks. Um, okay, so speaking of being 19, so zombies. So one yep. difference between uh, the zombies in the 2004 version and the 1978 is, did we say this was the first zombie movie that uh, established the running zombie versus the slow walker, or this was the second? Aaron said it was 28 Days Later, which came out a little earlier. Either way, they they landed about the same time, which means they had to have like parallel production at least. So, yeah, like those two movies in general sort of like made that the thing is just fully cannibalistic zombies that run real fast. Yeah, I it's got to be like because it hasn't really been done much since in popular culture. Like I think the biggest zombie thing, obviously, oh, in the past twenty years, has been Walking Dead. And they've all been Chamblers again. Um, Train to Basan. Oh, yeah, that's right. The movie's so good, but they're also even faster than this movie. Yeah. Shit. Anyways, what I I was going to say is... World War Z also, I think. Yeah. World War Z. What I was going to say is, because both these movies came out in like a very freshly uh, post-9-11 world, and I I believe that maybe that had some kind of influence on these fast zombies. What were you saying? Explain yourself. No, I'm, I'm... that's, yes. that's a good point. I was trying to think about when we officially declared war in Iraq, if it was in 2002 or if it was as late as 2004. I honestly don't remember. I just know it was not too long out. And, uh, you know, well, what a time to be alive. If you look at like the, the 1978, they're all slow and like they're barely a threat, right? In the 2004, the remake, and I haven't seen 28 Days Later, so I can't vouch for this one, which is more freshly 9 11. But in the 2004 remake, a single zombie could fuck up your entire operation you got going on in the mall. They're, they can get in. They can, like, overpower you. Like, they have no limit, really. They're just kind of one singular goal of get to you and eat. And they're, like, sprinting all out. They're throwing people across rooms. They're throwing shit around. I think that that's a little bit more modernized like this is an actual one of these things is a threat one of these things infiltrates you and can bring down your whole society which i think is very and i'm definitely making leaps here but i think this is very sort of it's analogous because they are faster yeah. yeah i think that that idea of one small thing is a threat to a large group of people is kind of analogous to like 9-11, how it was like a small cell of people that made this giant calamity, obviously. I mean, maybe I'm reaching, but that was just a note that I took that 
kind of struck me as interesting when I was watching the movie. Yeah, I I mean, I think generally, at least in kind of the later zombie films that have the running zombie, they're extremely threatening and daunting. But for some reason, even though they're running in this 2004 version, but they're slow in the 1978 version, I didn't feel any bigger of a sense of danger, really even though they were more dangerous. And that was more of just like the feeling of an audience member. Like I wasn't scared of the zombies any more than the original, like I have in a world war Z or train to Busan. So I, I don't know. I feel like they're, they're still getting uh, their sea legs a little bit in terms of uh, working out that type of zombie in movies to come. So I don't know. It didn't have like as big of an impact for me watching it, but I also tend to like the fast zombie trope because of what you're saying, Brad. They feel like it feels um, because, you know, a zombie lacks the intelligence or awareness. So they don't feel very threatening because they're easy to outsmart in some capacity. So I don't know. I just I want to be creeped out and scared by a zombie. And I just I just wasn't in this one. And part of it's just the time of the movie release and other zombies movies I had seen before I had seen Dawn of the Dead. I feel like my experience would be different if I had been in the theaters watching this in 2004. It definitely yeah. doesn't seem to go out of its way to scare you. It's this one is way more of an action movie than anything else. And even though the gore is very much like typical, well now typical zombie violence uh, with, you know, dismemberments and gut eating and that kind of stuff. Um, it is solely about people shooting guns, and that is something that comes up a lot. Uh, I uh, kind of want to. I've got a whole pile of notes here that I'm gonna. I don't know how to like move fluidly through them, but I do want to call out one cool thing is I really liked about this, which is a side note. And if I'm stopping you from responding to something, Brad, you can cut me off anytime now. Which was the uh, old cast showing up in really fun nods. So early on, we see Tom Savini on the TV as the asshole security guards just comment, and they go, that is one cool motherfucker. And I just have that in my notes because it's a fun line. And then uh, my other thing was Ken Forey returning as the doomsday pastor on TV, who goes out of his way to say this is what happens to people who have sex at a wedlock and that allow men to marry one another, which is the most 2004 thing. Like, we... I mean, we're still not fully past any of that shit, but, like, the fact that they were so, like, it was a pivotal plot point that a pastor kind of, uh, the hell was Fred Phelps' whole bullshit named Westboro Baptist Churches. But then he follows that up with his famous line from the original, which is, when there's uh, no more room in hell, the dead shall walk the earth, which is, love that line. It's a good one. It's one of, it's like my favorite thing about Dawn of the Dead is just that, sort of uh, nailing it for zombie movies in general. That's my explanation for zombies. I don't want it to be a virus. I just want Satan to be like, no room at the inn, and then Earth is fucked <laughs> up. Yeah. Yeah, I I took away, I mean, just from that one, like, Ken Forey is like a televangelist, I took away like a bit more religious tones from the movie because there was really not any apart from him saying the original line in the beginning, or in the uh, original, sorry, and then this one, like, there was a whole 30 second, 45 second cameo of him kind of just talking about gays and 
I'll, you know. It doesn't really come up in the movie otherwise. It's just kind of yeah. slapped in there as like a zoom on the TV. And there he is to be like, we got the guy. You know the guy yeah. who's going to deliver that line. And then he's also going to reflect a lot of what we're hearing at the time in society. It's just a constant talking point. Some would say we're still hearing it and kind of moving a little bit more backwards. Or maybe in some states they're not allowed to hear it. I don't know. Hey. <laughs> but there was a lot of... Uh, Damn. But fuck him. The one man specifically who's doing it. Uh, there was a lot of casual homophobia in this movie. I mean, I feel like Boy, that was just very much like mid-2000s in general. I recently had somebody in a Discord channel that I'm on discover early corn lyrics. And it is one of the funniest things for me to see a person that was not exposed to new metal while it was happening look at it and be shocked by it because it's it's what I grew up with. Like I, uh, it's just nothing but chest beating and people calling each other f slurs because it's just like, hey, isn't it cool? I'm manly. I have sex with the women and you do not because you like sex with the men and that makes you a shitty person. And that was like every lyric from a new metal song, and then they would growl and that was the whole thing um but like i didn't even know how to respond to that because you can't tell them like you're like they're but they're the way they responded to it was basically like has someone made them apologize for this and i was like probably but i honestly don't know or like they're like did we just give them a pass and i was like i don't even know how to tell you what to, to feel about that it was just ingrained in society you would hear that not censored on tv and you would hear other words that seem tame in comparison censored so it's just a dark timeline my favorite uh speaking of corn is those photos of i don't know the name of the lead singer but just davis jonathan davis this is this is my neck of the woods when i was 12 years old i mean i knew you would have the answer (laughs) my favorite is when those photos will creep up of just him and like his little rectangular glasses looking extremely not cool. Um, and that's all I had to say. I just like when they pop up because I'm like, you think you're so cool, but you wear glasses just like the rest of us. Adam and it kills and plays the bagpipes too. I uh, I was a big fan when uh, Follow the Leader came out in 1999, and I was too young to be listening to it, but I did it anyway, and uh, I then stopped listening to them promptly after that when I discovered uh, pop punk because I'm cool like Brad and then uh, I got into other shit. But either way, I met their one of their guitar players who goes by the name of Monkey, M-U-N-K-I because they were playing in Milwaukee and I was working at Whole Foods and he was just shopping. So like he was just pushing a cart around. I just see this guy with super long dreads and a cart filled with avocados. And I, I actually stopped him to be like, hey, are you uh, are you Monkey from Corn? He's like, yeah, you coming to the show tonight? And I was like, ah, I'm working, I can't make it. But that was like our conversation. And it was weird meeting somebody from my youth and not really, like, it's not like I ever wanted to. I wasn't like, this will be so exciting. It's the least exciting celebrity cameo for me. It was just meeting a guy that my very young self would have been excited about. But yeah. Were you like, sir, you have exceeded the number of avocados that you can purchase from our establishment. I'm going to need you to put four of those back. It was noticeable, and I could also smell him. And I don't know. It wasn't like a bad smell. It was like a mix of like, 
hippie oils and uh body odor but not like it was like terrible i was just like that guy definitely has dreadlocks it's probably whatever he used to maintain his hair uh, and it was uh palpable on the other side of the glass of the taco stand that i was working in shout out to the whole foods milwaukee taco stand i hope you are all doing very well um another splatterbrain sidetrack note speaking of celebrities and produce yes oh when I was in college and I was uh, the opinions editor of the Daily Illini, uh, humble brag. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, I forgot if I brought this up on the podcast, but we wrote this editorial once about, uh, so Jack White, I think was performing on campus and we were really like scrounging for content and someone kind of had like a FOIA request and got access to like his con- contractual needs to like perform and like the list was just so wild and there was like stuff about his, his like writer they got access to that like his actual like what he requires in his dressing room kind of shit. yes yes nice, and nice. it was like no bananas on the premises like some specific requests for like guacamole and so like we wrote about it or posted about it or something and like like i don't know but he was not happy like i don't i think he like canceled on coming to the campus or like he was not happy that that shit got out there i just googled it and i wrote jack white banana contract and there's like all these articles specifically from like college papers like no bananas and chunky avocado uh we want it chunky and other gems from jack white's contract this is a no banana tour like just so you guys you guys broke this story wide open. Is yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> Cracked it like a fucking pistachio. You found his his kryptonite and it was uh bananas. It's just bananas. This is a no banana tour. If, if Jack White ever finds you in an alley and tries to take your wallet, just throw a banana at him. That's it. Stay away. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's uh thank you for joining our segment called Celebrities and Produce. Brad, do you have any <laughs> Nikki, thanks for that great, that great celebrities and produce segment. Um, what worked about uh, Dawn of the Dead 2004 for you? What did you, what did you guys like about 2004's Dawn of the Dead? I, there was one scene. I know I just kind of shit on the zombies in both iterations of Dawn of the Dead. The one scene that I actually really enjoyed from the 2004 version was when they're in the parking garage I I feel that the way I watched the movie, the scene came out a little bit dark, but there was essentially a legless zombie crawling from kind of like the rafters and jumped down. It wasn't the most beautifully executed scene, but I liked the idea and it gave me haunted house vibes. Like that is something you would see at a haunted house in like a thousand dollar prop that races towards you. Do you guys remember the scene I'm talking about? Yeah, it's when they go okay. down to the parking garage and they find yeah. the dog. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I liked that zombie. It was just that would suck. I wouldn't really want to be attacked by a legless uh, rooftop zombie boy. It, I mean, having that dog really brings in the most interesting plot in the movie, which is the uh, the girl chasing after the dog into the other building, so we could hear her talking on microphone for a long time after their neighboring friend dies. It's great. It's great. Karen was isn't here right now, but I would like to reiterate her point that uh, uh, I also hoped that that girl would have died for being such a fucking idiot. There's a lot of dumb choices in this movie, 
And I don't understand the tone of like everyone in this movie, with the exception of one or two characters, was as they had just as bad an attitude as anybody in uh, a Rob Zombie film toward one another all the time, including uh, Modern Family Eyebrows guy. Just constantly. Burrell. What was his name? Ty Burrell. That's Modern Family Eyebrows guy from here on out. He uh, He's a cool, classy guy, always wearing a suit, and he happens to be carrying his boat key in his pockets at all times. Uh, and he uh, he's just such a dick the whole time. And uh, same thing with the, the security guards. I have it written down here that as far as a zombie thing is concerned, this guy is the only thing worse than Negan, who's, you know, really unpleasant all of the time. You know, I actually liked the uh, CJ, the security guard, despite him being a dick and, you know, casual 2004 homophobia aside. I thought he had a cool uh, character arc in it because there was a point in the beginning of the movie where he said everybody like, I'll kill you if it comes t- between you and me. I'll kill every single person here. At the end of the movie, he sacrifices himself so people can get away. I thought it was a nice little... When he shoots the container behind him. Yeah. I was very disoriented seeing Ty Burrell in that movie. What's his name? Uh, um, uh, eyebrow, big eyebrow That's, boy. You got modern. It. You got it. F- yeah. Check. And I love Ty Burrell. I mean, I have to say it. Zaddy! That's, yeah, that's the word I was waiting for. And, you know, he's so wholesome in Modern Family, so seeing him in this role was like seeing Meryl Streep in, like, a porno. Like, you're not ready for it, and you're not prepared. And then there, he has, like, an, a sex scene that... I don't know. I don't know. Well, I he's just fully clothed, and so is she. Yeah, slapping pants. Yeah, slapping pants. Which reminds me of you know how. Uh, oops. Side note. Anne Hathaway. <laughs> Come She's on. got a lot of slapping pants scenes these days. <laughs> Join me on this journey. Anne Hathaway. So in the year two thousand ten, I became a Hatha hater, which I didn't know was a subpopulation of people, but it is. People that just really... Is that like believers? Yes. The same thing? Yes, okay. but people that really don't like Anne Hathaway. Because I had known her from Princess Diaries and like Ella Enchanted and more wholesome things. And then there was a movie that came out called Havoc, um, which is basically like two young girls that like get bored of their rich life as teenagers in LA and then kind of hang in rougher parts of town and Anne Hathaway there's just like this one scene I I can't even explain it but like where she's just trying to be all cool and she's like kind of breaking the mold of this like wholesome image and I was like what the fuck is she doing like it was I don't know I became a half a hater in that moment so anyway the Ty Burrell thing reminded me of like I had this one track mind now in hindsight it was wrong of me to judge Anne Hathaway for breaking the mold and doing something new and expanding her career. Ah, that's it. I, I thought know. you were going to say Brokeback Mountain. That was going to be the thing where she was just this wife. and She was just this fucking wife. <laughs> no, she was kind of a buzzkill in Brokeback Mountain, though. Oh, man. I love Brokeback Mountain. Do I got to talk about that for like a half hour? I've never no. seen the whole thing. I've seen the ending scene. That's a real bummer. Do you like sexy cowboys that are doing it in the wild? 
Not really. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that uh, I'm pro sexy cowboy more than I like sexy cowboys. Like, do they exist? Yes. Am I glad that they exist? Yes. Do I seek them? Not often. I've never met a real sexy cowboy in real life. You did see one in Texas Chainsaw, though. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. So Ty Burrell, sexy, mean eyebrow boy in Dawn of the Dead. Um, the only other notable scene that I wrote down was the pregnant woman. The oh way they zoom in on her sweaty belly that's just like yellowed and pulsing with like a zombie baby. That was really gross to look at in a fun way. I have a note here for that because that is a scene I distinctly remember from seeing in theaters, although it played out a lot differently than I remembered it. Like, I didn't remember it being that long. Maybe I saw, I mean, I watched the 10 minutes longer version of the movie, the unrated, because DVDs were just slapped unrated on the front of a box and they were like improved, but that was never the case. Uh, and I, uh, the quote is from Tiff watching it like with me in some capacity. I don't remember if she was there the whole time or just walked in and she said, did they slow down the film or did they make the actors act in slow-mo talking about the old lady and Mackay Pfeiffer getting into a gunfight? Slow-mo gunfight. That was such a weird scene because it really felt like he was like, ugh, my girlfriend and my baby are like, ugh. Like he didn't seem like he was going to be all about it. And then the old woman shows up and he's like, you're trying to kill my family. I was like, weren't you just about to? And or? he like he does the flip on a dime, I'm a crazy person acting in the movie, where he's just like got the wild-eyed stare and his delivery of his line uh, is just ridiculous. And he's just like, like holds the baby out like to show everybody, and it just goes, Bing! and that's it. Maybe he doesn't he doesn't show the baby. They don't until he dies, then somebody picks it up and then it cries, and then we get the cutaway. Mm-hmm. It's not really a movie in the 2000s until you shoot an infant in the head, right? Sure, sure. Can I make that the show title? Um, All right, I'm going to take that as a maybe. All right, we'll talk about it later. (laughs) Might be too long. Okay. The characters are stupid in this movie. And here's why. There are a couple couple things. And I mean, this is very nitpicky of watching a 2004 movie. Uh, Sorry, James Gunn. They're, when they introduce new characters, so like m- about midway through the, the movie, new characters come to the mall and join the, you know, the four survivor, five survivors and the security guards. And one of them has a bite. And the nurse, the main character, whose name I forget, she says, it spread through the bite, blah, 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 blah. And they decide, okay, we got to go kill Frank. He's bit. We got to kill him. But... The nurse is like, I'm not, I'm not positive. I'm not positive. I'm really 90% sure. I don't know. Don't do it. And the guy that's going to kill him says, there's no other way. We got to kill him. Despite the fact that they're all in the, the furniture store that the main character spent the night in previously that has a locking gate. So they could have just isolated Frank and then like sussed out like, yes, okay. He's definitely turning into a zombie. He has a bite. We're 100% sure. And mitigate like the risk of like, oh, maybe it, it it isn't a bite. Maybe we don't know what happens. Like, but let's just kill this guy anyways. And it so made no fucking the, uh, sense. The um, honey, I shrunk the kids' neighbor dad. Yes. Oh my yeah, god, yeah, that's yeah. where I knew him from. Yeah, yeah. I, so uh, I would like to put us into this new segment. I'd like to call the dumb things that people did in this movie segment. And I've got a couple things here on my list. And feel free to chime in whenever. 
Uh, so let's talk about their escape plan. Uh, and this this comes back to sort of the writing of the movie. They were going to escape to some islands that exist on what has to be Lake Michigan. Uh, not only that, they, uh, if you look in the scene toward the end of the movie, when we come across these islands, they are visible in the background. Clearly, the CG did islands at the shoreline that are probably like 100 yards out. And then the ending scene gives us a boat riding montage. Like in the credits, it just cuts in scenes. And it feels like they're traveling by boat for four days to get this. And I think Eyebrow's boat is faster than that. So I don't know how it took that long. Uh, other fun things, the uh, the neighboring guy, the I forgot his name. So there is a person on a building across from the mall. And he's... Andy? Something like that. Brad, do you remember? Yeah, it's Andy. It is Andy. Okay, cool. So he is uh, sort of our a character away from the characters, but he befriends Ving Rhames character by sitting on the roof and they hold up signs to each other. Uh, and like, there's a good montage over set to uh, uh, Karen's favorite song, which is the Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine cover of Down With the Sickness. She loves it. She wanted to make sure I said that on behalf of her. It's her favorite song. Uh, and the, he, uh, you know, is holding up like, how are you doing? And when they go to pick him up at the end, he gets attacked by zombies and hurt because the neighboring or the the young girl in the group sends the dog over and then goes after the dog and she just fucks everything up. Andy dies. But the way that we know that Andy becomes a zombie is that they radio him and say, like, Andy, are you okay? Are you okay? And then he holds up the sign and it's just got blood smeared all over it. Like, look at me, I'm a zombie now, which is the funniest scene in the movie, I think. Yeah, yeah I wanna I wanna talk about their their escape plan. Because it reminds me of this show, and this is a total tangent. And I might have talked about this show previously in an episode. There's this 2009 show called The Colony. It was a quote-unquote reality show where they kind of sectioned off like an area of like L.A., supposedly, to do this reality show. And it's set in the apocalypse, and it's like 10 survivors with like different backgrounds meet up, and they have to live in like this abandoned warehouse and try and survive it. And like in the night... There were like actors that would come in and try and like break their shit or steal things or harm them. And the survivors had to like defend themselves. So like there was like this crazy like mad scientist guy who like invented a flamethrower, invented an electric trap to like trap these people that raided their warehouse in the night. The craziest fucking show. But why I'm talking about it now. The end goal, I guess I feel like they, they set this goal midway through the season, like filming it. Like we gotta have them do something other than like be in this warehouse forever. The end goal was they had to build escape vehicles and all be on it and escape the little area of LA they're sectioned off in while defending against raiders. And so they all built like this battle wagon. And then they built like a couple other like satellite like cars that can like go next to the battle wagon and fight off the raiders. And this is a real thing. Like I said, quote unquote reality. It's not like a scripted thing. It was all these like random people. They're all in this battle wagon and what they get to like where they need to go. And the one guy in the satellite car pulls up. He goes, guys, I'm not going with you. They go, oh, what do you mean? This is a reality show. And he goes, this is my city. i got to stay behind and help rebuild it. And so this guy in a reality show just decides to stay behind and help rebuild Los Angeles. Anyways, their escape plan of uh, building these like battle shuttles, I thought it was kind of cool. But uh, it reminded me of The Colony, and I want to go back and rewatch that. Uh, if anyone's ever seen The Colony, please tweet us. 
There's also a, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Alex. No, no, I guarantee you, you have more information about reality TV that is much more interesting than whatever I have to say about this because I'm going to be a buzzkill because holy cow, that sounds ridiculous. I'm just going to tack on with another show that I had to look up. I didn't watch it, but I knew of it very well from the year 2007 called Kid Nation. That was basically the colony. The Lord of the Flies? Like... It was literally Lord of the Flies. 40 kids ages 8 to 15 spend 40 days without parents in Bonanza City, New Mexico, a ghost town where they try to create com a community. They cook their own meals, haul their own water, clean their own outhouses, and even run businesses. Yeah, I, and then uh, like, they're voted out. Unless there is actual threat of harm or death in either of these shows, I'm not interested in watching it. Unless they actually cooked somebody with a flamethrower to survive then we could talk about it, but they would not air that if that were the case. That's the beauty of a reality TV show. There is always the threat of harm or death. That's why you watch. It's like uh, when you watch MTV's The Challenge. Yeah, that's the thing you I watched. Never know when CT is going to beat the shit out of someone and get kicked off the show, and then etc. So I mean, there's always the CT? chance. Um, that is Chris Tam, blah, 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 something, something. I don't know, but I fucking love him. I love CT. Hottie. Is that what he goes by a CT? Yeah. yeah that sounds Chris. like an MTV reality show. It is. And then there's Johnny Bananas. I'm talking shit about your clear choice in entertainment that you like. And I watched four Puppet Master Move piece in the last week. So I have nothing to say about quality. And I'm just going to check myself out here. I had in to bring it up because I'm actually getting through that goddamn box set. Didn't think I would do it. I was like, I'll watch two and three, and then I'll just have the box set. No. I was like, I could keep going. And I did. And I finished five today. So <laughs> I am untouchable in terms of offending me in my taste. I watch reality TV and horror, the two most considered lowbrow forms of entertainment. And I will bat hard for either of them any day. But yeah, I need watch Puppet Master. Watch the box set of it. I'm not actually making fun of you. That's a, the point is just that, like, for me to like balk at your what you're telling me right now about these ridiculous shows. Uh, again, oh, yeah. like like I talked about on the Ghost episode, it's like any you can find entertainment in anything, and it could feel like wrestling. You know yeah. that there's there's some producer that's throwing these people like a can of food when the camera goes off, or they're like stopping to re reshoot shit all the time. Like it's unscripted, but it's not reality, and like. The world is aware of that. I don't need to tell them that. It doesn't make me smart. It just makes me the asshole that doesn't want to call Starbucks by their size, you know? Should I mean, a tall should really be a, a medium because a tall is bigger. And then the a grande should small. be large. The tall is the small. It should be the medium. The grande should be the large. And then a small should just be called... Uh, uh, piquito. Piquito. Speaking of uh, Piquito, do you guys have anything else about uh, 2004's Dawn of the Dead remake? I do. I do. In fact, it's, okay. it's involved with the vehicles because I distinctly remember that ending scene having a huge impact on me and because of the chainsaw. I It's something I look out for in a film. It's There's a checklist. It's like, how's the acting? How is the story? How's the writing? Is there a chainsaw? Which is way higher up on that list than I just listed. Uh, and there is, and somebody accidentally gets chainsawed out of nowhere. And I remember that being like a shock and being prepared for it. I was like, 
it wasn't as cool this time around. I mean, I am glad that someone gets chainsawed. Don't get me wrong. But also the fact that they were on two different vehicles and crashed felt like it was just a big, huge setup to get rid of a couple people and to make eyebrows into a zombie so that the main character can kill him after saying she would happily kill him if he becomes a zombie. When he earlier in the movie says, if I become one of those things, feel free to shoot me in the head. And she's like, hell yeah, I will. And then she does. If one of the three of us was wielding uh, a chainsaw, who would be the one that is wielding it? And who would be the one that accidentally gets killed? I would definitely accidentally kill one of you. I, I would be the wielder and I would accidentally kill somebody. It wouldn't be the thing we wanted to kill. Brad, who, who gets killed? Is it me or you? I think I'd probably get killed. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> You're done, man. I'm just going to backswing right into your face, and it's going to yeah. be bad. I feel like Alex I would, would like... And then I would drop it, and I would cry, and I would run away. You'd be like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. And I would, like, Regan exorcist vomit everywhere, because it's so disgusting. I don't think I could handle real gore like that. That would be pretty I hard. feel like Alex would charge at a bunch of zombies with his chainsaw. I'd be like, oh, shit, I should help out and charge in, too. And then he'd bring it back too far. Like, your backswing, and you'd get me. Because I'd, I'd be like, like, oh, shit. I'd get yeah. you, and then I would, like, freeze up because I was shocked at what I was doing and stop to look at you and then be eaten. This is yeah. how we die. Feeling like um, I'm going to be here. Sorry, Nikki. Nikki leaves No, then. I just have to quickly say, I said Regan. I meant Reagan. Not Regan. Reagan. Get out of the podcast. Okay. Yep, Dude. it's over now. I um, it. Yeah, to con- contextualize what you're saying, that that we talked about the the island. The survivors in the mall decide to build battle ship battle cars out of like shuttles, mall shuttles, yeah, and leave and like go to a boat that somebody mentioned that he had and go live on an island. Stupid idea. Why would you leave the mall? It's got everything and you're, it's already secured. I don't know. Anyways, Wait, there so weren't they, raiders they, in this one like the original one either. Yeah. They fucked yeah. up and let a couple in, but just, like, deal with them and lock the door. I don't know. Yeah, they crashed these vehicles while they're driving because like, all of them were, like, dri-. like they, there were two drivers. I think Ving Rames crashed dr- twice, actually, while he was driving. But somebody was, like, in Ving Rames' ear screaming, go faster, go faster, go faster. And, like, there was no zombies around them. They're just driving fast through a destroyed Milwaukee, quote-unquote Milwaukee, for no reason other than they needed to crash the car for the story. Yeah. They were just yep. like pedal to the metal for no fucking reason. It was so annoying. It really slows the scene down. And you're just like, and now we're stuck. Then we could just get to the marina and move on. And you could have people killed at the marina. Yeah. Let me direct this movie, Zack Snyder. <laughs> I forgot he followed it up with a classic zombie film that I don't even remember the name of that we watched. What was the the Las Vegas one we watched? Army of the, the Dead. Yeah. I didn't watch that one. It was a stanker. Yeah. I mean, I did like that zombies could have sex and make their own babies. They, had, they did have little sex zombie babies. That's they what had, they call them, is a sex yes. zombie baby. Yeah. I just think that my uh, my final thoughts on Dawn of the Dead is it just made me appreciate like a million other zombie movies that I have watched and I liked. And by a million, I mean like two or three. It just made me want to watch those ones and appreciate those. But I also can appreciate how the original Dawn of the Dead established a lot of, uh, was kind of the leaping point for a lot of those movies later that I did enjoy so thoroughly. Makes me want to watch the later, like the 2000s Romero stuff, like Land of the Dead, 
and uh what's the other the, the first person was a survival of the dead it's like a handy camp one um i've seen them and they're uh they're, they're a tough watch but uh after re-watching this and thinking this movie was awesome when i was a uh a kid I'm, it makes me wonder about how many other things i hold in high regard because i saw them in theaters when i was younger and this is definitely one where I was like, yeah, I think I'm good. Like, I don't need to watch it anymore. The curiosity yeah. was more interesting than the movie itself. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, I didn't watch this when I was younger, but it did kind of remind me that in college I was super into zombies because of The Walking Dead, and it made me want to reread The Walking Dead comic because I never actually finished it. Um, I sadly sold my omnibuses, omnibuy. Uh, that show I've given a lot of shit to, but it started really interesting. It's sort of the comic. Yeah. And I still like Robert Kirkman a lot. Did you ever watch the yeah. show, Nikki, or anything? Uh, yeah, the wait, first which show? Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Oh, I watched the first season, I think, and then stopped. Yeah, it's, it's the first couple great. seasons were good. I like the first. My my some of my closest college friends. They would come over each Sunday, and we all. I mean, when we didn't live together, we lived together freshman year. That's when the first season came out. Sophomore year, we all went separate ways. But they'd all come over Sunday nights, and we'd all watch The Walking Dead and even the fucking The Talking Dead. And uh, I hold those Sunday nights in high regard in my memory. Um, yeah, this made me want to reread the comic because the comic's actually really good. Yeah. I feel as though when it comes to zombies, my motto is if you can't beat them, join them. I'm not trying to survive with an assemblage of 12 people who I may or may not like for the rest of my life. Like, you know, I'll give it zombie shit. They're all going to backstab you. All of them at some point, all of them. And you know, I'll give it the old college try. Like I'm not just going to like body surf my way into a zombie crowd and get my intestines pulled out. But I'm also not trying to make a life with like Joe Schmo, who's like the you know owner of the grocery store up the road, either. I think that is one of the things about zombie media that I really really liked in college. Uh, was just sort of like I've talked about this before, and talk about my love for post apocalyptic things, but just seeing the world in like a completely different lens, where like nothing that we've used it for in day to day basis is what it's used for in sort of like an apocalypse like that i don't know i i've always been a fan of how do these people kind of come together and establish a society for themselves with everything going on after the world collapses uh so i would love to live with joe schmo the grocery store owner from down the lane so are you saying like when you use things or kind of looking at the world in a different lens and how you use things like is there a world where you're using a loaf of french bread like as a sword or like a shield. Hundred percent. I'm just saying that that's the direction you took this in. I'm thinking of like the scene in uh, Zombieland where Woody Harrelson is dabbing his eyes with like a shitload of money, <laughs> like you know, because obviously it doesn't matter anymore. But you were like, "What if we made bread into a weapon?" Well, you know, we're at the grocery store. I kind of went back to the mist, and okay. I was like, "Okay, every like some people are locked up in the mall, right? I'm locked up in the grocery store because like, duh." And like, what am I doing there? Pelting frozen fish sticks as like bullets. That's a good. You, that's uh, a good point. Do you think uh, that you would ahead, become Alex. the Mrs. Carmody? No, it would be Karen for sure. Yeah, it'd be Karen. Sorry, Karen. 
I would I would have been one of the first people plucked out of the grocery store by the zombie, by the creature. I, again, I'm not trying to live there for a long time. I'm here for a good time, not a long time when it comes to all that. <laughs> right. All right. I've got anything uh, last thoughts to say about Dawn of the Dead 2004? Because I've got a couple questions for you guys about fun stuff. Oh, uh, I have one more point is that this was written by James Gunn. And I think that was really interesting because I think this was the first major movie he did other than Slither, which is awesome. And I would love to, mm-hmm. that's a movie I want to revisit. We should do an episode on that because yeah. I also only saw that when I was younger and it was, I'm just like, that movie's so cool. And I think rewatching it now, I'd be like, Oh boy, did I love this movie? What was I thinking? And I want that to be the case. Yeah. I would love to rewatch that. It's been a while since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Nikki, you were kind of touching on this a little bit. Uh, but my first question for both of you, I'll throw it to Alex first because Nikki, you kind of might have answered, but maybe you want to reconsider what you said. Alex, if you were in a zombie apocalypse, say you woke up and it was just you and Tiff and your dog, and there was a zombie apocalypse, where would you go? Where would you make a, and say your house, you couldn't be in your house for whatever reason, where would you go to make your new? zombie apocalypse home i'm currently by the ocean which is nice but i don't really necessarily see the purpose of it as far as survival goes other than having somewhere to keep my back to it i would definitely go further south where it stays warmer longer because then i don't have to worry about uh sort of that that part of things like freezing to death but where would i go like an actual place I have no idea like where my like this is where I'm holding up forever would be I'm a really boring adult and I'm very content and that makes me a homebody and now I'm just like I'll probably just stay in this apartment as long as possible <laughs> I don't know Nikki what's your answer to that I need help I, I said grocery store but really I actually hate the grocery store I don't grocery shop myself I get them delivered nice. because I hate the store Honestly, I mean, they're onto something with the mall. I went to uh, in the suburbs, there's the Fox Valley Mall, and they've kind of converted a lot of the stores into experiences. Like there's arcades and escape rooms because they know people aren't doing their primary shopping there. And it's kind of nice. And like, I'm kind of a mall walker. My mom and I went just to get our steps in. There's like three layers. You have stairs. There's the food court. So like a mall really is probably best case scenario i would say or like maybe a retirement living community in florida because there's probably a lot of food and places to bop around access to the outdoors there's a lot of alligators in that a lot of alligators yeah Eh. again i'm i'm probably gonna make it two weeks tops wherever i end up yeah i'm just gonna (gasps) see uh Whoops, she's got an epiphany. Um, an all-inclusive resort, like anywhere in any tropical area. Food, outdoors, indoors, different hotel rooms, different buildings with the hotels. You can run into the ocean and give up if you so choose. Yeah, an all-inclusive resort. That's where I'm going. So Nikki is going to Sandals, Jamaica. <laughs> yeah, dude. All right. Brad, what was your Michael answer? Scott. Um, assuming I wasn't like controlled by like a mob of like crazy people, like raiders and stuff. There's a Menards 
near my house that I think would be pretty good because Menards have like the the stairs to kind of go up, so you have like a good overview of like the upper area type thing. Been on a roof of one of those, a couple of them, in fact. Yeah, Brad, you're gonna like accidentally bump into a wall, and like a hammer hanging on the wall in Menards is gonna knock you out. In a zombie apocalypse, you get final destination. <laughs> you get final destination in a Menards. No, I think I would thrive in an apocalypse. Says a lot about me, maybe. Prove um, it. Bring it on. Okay. Second question. What would be your role? So you met up with a group of survivors. There's like a handful of you. What would be your guys' roles in a zombie apocalypse? Nikki, I'll start with you. Um, before my two weeks is up, where I succumb to the apocalyptic force, honestly, uh, I'm a good wrangler of people. I'm good at telling people what to do and what needs to happen, but then like outsourcing the actual work to them. I'm like, all right, we need two people to do it. You're going to be a scrum master. (laughs) Why would I not capitalize on my professionally trained skills? Uh, I thought thought you knew exactly where you were going with that. And I was like, you're describing your actual profession right now. I think. No, that's exactly what I was doing. Uh, perfect, perfect. That's great. Because of like, what else do I do? Like, that's the role I have taken in everyday life. I mean, I don't. What did you learn from any of the reality shows you watched? Um, it's really good to be vulnerable and share your feelings, not bottle them up. Um, Is that after you get in a screaming match with somebody, or before? Do you prevent that screaming match, or do you let it happen? And I'm. Ask I'm not. Despite my sometimes hot takes, I am not confrontational and I kind of crumble under confrontation. So the more I can avoid a direct uh, yelling match with someone, the better. But like, will I talk shit behind people's backs? Yeah. And will someone yell at me? Yeah. But that's probably the time I'm like, I'm a head out. And I like walk out into the crowd. I don't think I've ever heard you raise your voice for any reason. Not that I've ever been in a situation where that would happen with you, but can't imagine it. Oh, yeah. No, I I don't know how. Right on the other hand, fucking loose cannon over here. You got to relax, buddy. Your emotions out of control. Yeah. Oh, he's Alex, what's your, what's your role in the <laughs> You think he was paying group? attention? I don't. Yeah, I don't think he was listening to you or he was. Um... Yeah, no, me too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely the same. It's the same way. Alex, what's your role? Uh, I, I, I would be the, uh, you would kill me and eat me. That's what you would be. Oh, yeah. Brad? Uh, I, I, I think I would be someone who would, like, plan, like, our living situation. I'd be like, hey, build a wall here. Hey, let's make that an entrance. Hey, let's, we can escape this way. I'd have everything kind of in my head about what we need to get done. Hey, let's make some food there. Hey, shit over in this corner. I think I have all that in my head. I'd be like the architect of our survival headquarters. So you would uh, organize people and tell them what to do? Can't be two of us, Brad. No, you can organize people and like, I'll tell you what needs to get done. And then you can tell the people what needs to get done. Yeah, it's like. uh, Corporate America exists even in the apocalypse. Thanks to people like you. I'll be the man behind the curtain and you'd be the wizard. Sure, sure. No, that's uh, what was I just watching? Oh, it's like it's basically the stand where it's like, cool, the world, the community, 
just kind of rebuilds itself again and like starts to put up all of the troublesome structures they had before anyway because humans are teeny tiny little ants with little tiny brains there's a a song by the band subhumans called subvert city which is about a bunch of anarchist folk that spray paint fuck the government on the wall that eventually get into positions of power and get the uh coup they've always dreamed of but by being in those positions of power they become the same people it's very yes i agree you have a very clear role to me now you pick the spotify playlist at the mall sick all right hope you guys like that's much better than anything I (laughs) 10 hours my ass forever that's the only Uh, music anymore there's only one melody and it's trollolo (laughs) all right last question for you guys are zombies scary to you just like if you like saw a zombie on the street, would it be scary to you? One seems scary. A group no longer seems scary. I think that's kind of from movies have reinforced that in me. It's like Alien versus Aliens. As soon as you make it a bunch that you could just shotgun, it's like what the fuck ever. But if it's just like one slowly stalking people and actually getting some work done that no one's noticing, like then I'd be afraid of it. If I was just walking down the street and one thing just kind of like scuttled into the like street light, and I was like, whoa. And then it started chasing me. Be running the other direction. If like a group of them were that there, I think I'd be less scared. I don't know why. It just seems more plausible to get away from a group. I, my logic doesn't add up, but my brain says one thing. So whatever. I think um, if anything that I am the target of for harm will scare me. So yeah, kind of to Alex's point. If like a million zombies are like, there she is. Let's go, girls scary <laughs> so yeah okay how about zombie movies they scary yes no I'm trying to think of i was thinking about that earlier really it's like i like a lot of zombie movies everyone and their sisters burned out of them but i there's still some i'm trying to think at any point in time was i scared of them or do i currently think they are scary currently do you have an answer to this yeah i to me Zombie movies always toe the line of being an action film to me, so I don't really find them scary. The one scene, zombie scene, that sticks with me, and I mentioned this movie before, is in World War Z, the Brad Pitt, you know, zombie movie. There's a scene where he's in a hospital trying to enter the room with the medicine to get like a special medicine, and there's one zombie doctor who is like slowly pacing around and doing a lot of weird face head work. And so Brad's really trying to sneak through. And that is a very unsettling scene to me. Yes. And I forget what triggers the zombies to like see a person, but if they're dormant, they're not going to attack you. But this dormant zombie like pacing around was probably one of the most unsettling zombie scenes that I can think of to date. But, I, you know, it's also one of the more recent ones I have watched. I, I think that made me think that if you count the undead sort of things in Evil Dead, I'm thinking about the, uh, the remake and how visceral that movie is. I think even though that's definitely like high intensity, that would be very scary. There's those kind of like the basement dwelling kind of like, I don't know if that's actually a zombie to most people, but it's a similar kind of idea. Sure. So you'd have to. Uh, I guess I'm saying no. Not not a lot of zombie movies are scary for me at this point. 
Yeah, I'd say probably Train to Busan was the last kind of scary one. And even that, it has the like Korean horror thing of like, but we're going to make you feel stuff too. Yeah. That's what makes it so good. Uh, I have one last thing to share about zombies. And it's something that a friend, I don't know if you have, I know Nikki's had interactions with them. I don't know if Alex ever has, but my friend Clayton used to say back in the day, it's related to World War Z. Uh, he would always, I mean, he told us this story a couple of times about an interview he saw with Mel Brooks. Uh, and they were asking him about like his son, like, oh, your son's like an author now. He goes, yeah, he's really into, get this. He's really into zombies. And that was Mel Brooks talking about his son writing. Uh, I love Mel Brooks. He's a, he's, I aspire to be as uh, entertaining as that man is. I've brought him up a lot recently in my personal life, but it's a lot of his jokes that are unrepeatable. And that's what I love him for. (laughs) One other thing that is unrelated to zombies. I did think of who each of you would be in a horror movie, like which character from any movie tv show i could think of that reminded me is this should i tell you should i list it out before we end today do it wait oh you're you're giving it up without karen being here i guess this is i, I mean this is her punishment make it happen that's showbiz baby i just yeah. i can't hold on to this any longer okay so each person i have a primary and a secondary so if one speaks to you more if you really hated who i thought of the first time there's a second option Brad, we're going first because yours was like the first one. I was like, this makes so much sense to me. Brad is a character from a horror media piece. You are the young Richie Finn Wolfhard of the new It movie. Alternatively, you are Rod, the TSA agent in Get Out. Those are the people (laughs) I think of if I were to align you. That's a really good alignment in the second half. First one, but. Second and a half. Yeah. It's great. I like them both. Uh, I'll accept them both. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think, I think, thank you. BBE, Big Brad Energy, and both of those. Beep, beep, Mickey. Yep. Yeah. Um, Alex, okay. Uh, you're not, I don't think you're going to like the first one, but you're going to like the second one. Whatever you say, you're probably right. It's fine. I've accepted that I'm not the hero in the story. Well, in some capacity, you give me major Randy and Scream vibes, like just the like, objectively, this is the right and wrong of what's going to happen. But, but in terms of like your personality and your aura, you're giving me more the killer clown and killer clowns from outer space who knocks the punk's head off in the alley after he like, ruins his bike. I'm emotionally moved right now at you this is the nicest thing you've ever said to me i know this is not a bit i do like that very much it's one of the best ones i mean i would have also taken clownzilla but obviously that's just a pipe dream that's like my power fantasy so it's not like the reality of the boxing zombie that's cool i even rewatched that scene on youtube because i was like is that really like who i'm thinking or am i just like putting alex with clowns well, I if I like, had no, to give you a it. clown, it would be Tiny, the one that does the shadow puppet dinosaur and eats the whole <laughs> crowd of people. <laughs> yes. The other clowns from outer space, people. It's a classic. Yeah. It so that's be, you. Yes. Okay. The Randy thing, it's not a personality thing. It's like the knowledge, okay. the horror. Like, I've these felt are like Jamie Kennedy my whole life. I try to be funny, but man. For sure. For sure. I feel yeah. you. And also yeah, the uh, know-it-all bullshit, which absolutely yeah. right. Karen, 
you will have to listen to this in your little earbuds and message me on the side when you hear this. I actually really like Karen's. Karen is primarily the girl from It Follows who's reading off of her shell Palm Pilot like the entire time and like really? spitting facts. Alternatively, she is very much Hooper in Jaws. And um, yeah, it's kind of like the I know things vibe. And then maybe like pissing off the me and Alex Quint vibes in some capacity because she's outsmarting us in some way. So she gives me Hooper vibes. You get to be Brody. That's That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. It's hard. It was hard for me to think of myself, but I think I like maybe got it. I think I am Carly Beth in Goosebumps, but like while she has the mask on and like she's trick or treating and being like a little aggressive, but she has, she's like soft, she's like really nice inside, but she's kind of like peacocking as this <laughs> little shit. Thinking about that, I, I read many Goosebumps, which I would love to do. Like, cause you know, I, I imagine we could crush one of those books in like a half an hour. They have to be easy to read. There's no way. Uh, I, you know, I might be exaggerating, but uh, I remember distinctly that episode. That's the Haunted Mask 2, right? Or is that the first one? That's the first, first one. one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is the TV, obviously the Canadian television version, and all of the masks floating toward the door saying, <gasps> join us, join Carly, us Beth. Carly Beth. <laughs> oh, so spooky. Um, alternatively, I am the gym teacher and Carrie <laughs> also. Yeah. You don't even get to be Carrie in your own story. No, but okay. So another character who had a very potent consideration in my head for either me or Karen, and I couldn't really nail either of us down as her, but like I thought of me and Karen in some capacity. Also in Carrie is PJ Soul's character is Norma, like with a baseball cap, but she's a little too sidekicky and a little too mean to like fully identify. So me or Karen with. You're saying that PJ Souls in Halloween is more Karen. No, and this was for me or Karen. I was just like, it was something about the baseball hat. And yeah, I did go to Halloween, but I was like, I don't think we're like having sexy time with our boyfriends and smoking a cigarette either in yeah. bed. Why so. have fun when you can just degrade yourself? Uh, I, or you uh, could read your shell palm pilot or put on your little mask and go trick-or-treating. Uh, I think ideally, if I had to pick a hero from a genre film, notice I didn't say horror, it would be PJ Souls as Riff Randall. That's the person I strive to be my everyday life in rock and roll high school. Don't know the reference, but I love the reference. It is uh, the Ramones movie. Mm. Roger Corman produced one, known genre film producer. I'm Randy. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Brad, where can you find us on the fucking internet? You can find us on Twitter at splatter underscore brains on Instagram at splatter brains podcast on Facebook at splatter brains podcast, or you can email us at brainsplatter at gmail.com. Aaron farts. Used to tell us when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the 